Welcome to Beyond the Veil. I am Tara Kabatoff, and we will be exploring the depths of the subconscious, the shadow self, and the great mysteries of life. Hello and welcome. As we, the world, the collective, have been experiencing a significant amount of devastation, forest fires in particular, fear has been ignited within our deeper selves impacting us all on an individual level and extending into the connectedness with the greater collective. I am joined by Marcus Dupuis, founder of Elemental Living and author of the book, I Breathe, Therefore I Am. And we are going to dive into the topic of fear, what this emotion and experience is all about, and how to work with it for greater self-awareness and to help shift the energy within. Marcus, thank you for being here. And going back into the mention of breath with regards to your book, we are certainly, uh, we have been compromised lately, um, as you and I live closely together. We don't live too far from one another here in British Columbia. And in fact, our province has been in a state of emergency for some time, not to mention in other areas in the world. So let's dive into this, uh, this, this topic and the hot topic of your thoughts and current events and on the topic of fear. Great. Well, yeah, nice to be here, Tara. Thank you for, for having me. Um, yeah, I mean, the fear factor is, uh, is something that has a, a great effect on us as, uh, as a species. Well, all species actually have a, a relationship to fear that is actually pretty deep rooted and has a great influence. Um, our latest little boat with fires got quite close to you, didn't it? It was, uh, yeah. and, um, yeah, fire is the one, um, you know, fear element that's, uh, that's being affecting, uh, our society and our, and, and keeping us in a place of, of insecurity. Right. And, so yeah, it's important to uh, to sort of be comfortable in ourselves and in how we deal with that, and and so yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's a turbulent time on many levels, right? The the, the fear factor here is there. There's there are two types of fears, right? There's um, there's a physical fear and there's mental fear, and physical fear is where our actual physical being in reality is threatened. And so it's not an opinion. It's not an idea. It's not a construct. It's not a belief system. It's actually happening, right? This is that primal fear factor. And so fire is coming in close to our homes and and threatening us. Uh, My sister lives in Hawaii and Mm. has had major dealings with fire as well not the lahaina one which is the latest one that just happened but uh, on the big island it was um it was volcanoes and and Mm. that kind of fire flowing down the mountain (laughs) cut off the road cut off contact to to the to her community and everything so and that came pretty close even for us here right um in bc with uh, the fires coming down to the highways you know um some of my friends and family have just had to rearrange their whole plans because the fires were leaping across the highway. (laughs) So it has, when it's a physical fear like that, a physical threat, it's, um, it's something that we can't ignore and we really have to deal with. So it's interesting how, um, you know, we've gotten through these, this particular time, the rain has returned now, but Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, there's different types of fear. So that first fear, the fear of fire, um, we can talk about in at different levels because there's the physical factor. But then how does that affect us in our decisions and what we do with our lives and what we do with our days? That is, it, it segues into the mental relationship to, to fear. And, um, so anyways, we, we're past the fear factor now for us, right? We're back to safety. Well, the, the biggest aspect I was experiencing and we, as you mentioned, we had it fairly close to where, where I'm, I'm staying right now where I'm living and there were helicopters and bombers constantly, constantly. And 
and having that that action close by and then people around uh being triggered by this this occurrence and becoming um well start feeling the fear within themselves and it was really interesting observing other people and then observing myself how i was feeling because of what was happening around what was happening with other people and then also this this fear of loss that started to creep in within myself and i was being very observant and i i actually was really feeling the fear which i haven't felt in some time and i i've i recorded in another episode on this as well of this attachment that we have you know working through these these layers of what if I lose everything? It becomes an emotional reaction. The mental is thinking about the worst case scenario. Um, also working with other people and whatever's happening in our environment, you know, trying to understand that and understand people. So when these, these situations show up, they trigger something that's so deep within ourselves, within our subconscious, within our, even our trauma self, you know, those, those emotions, those energies within. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe touch on that, on how the, it reacts within our inner self, what's going on, body, mind, emotions, you know, what, and how to maybe even work through it if people are experiencing this within themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, just in speaking in real time here, because we're we're talking about a real experience that just happened, which is really cool, because I love attaching a lot of these ideas, these philosophical ideas and interpretations to a real event, right? And so one of my neighbors um, was operating from a place of great fear, and in fact was loading up a camper and, and getting all kinds of supplies and loading up, you know, tanks of water and, you know, it was really in that, that, that fear of losing his home, fear of losing his situation, right? Well, he's my neighbor and I'm here on, 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 in my place, not thinking that way at all. I'm not having any of these panic reactions and not, not fearing it to that point. I'm actually in a very calm state. Uh, maybe it's because I do a lot of deep breathing, but, uh, you know, it, and so there's a great example of two people being faced with the same scenario, the same situation and having a different reaction. So why is that? We are an accumulation of our experiences. We are an accumulation of our story. We are the things that have happened to us. And so and we, our reactions are based on our life experience and based on our past experiences and our past traumas and our past, you know, um, you know, emergencies that may have happened. And so because we're all different landscapes, you know, we, we all have such a unique experience. It makes us all a very, um, it makes us all unique beings, you know? So this whole idea of individuality and we are, independent and we have you know i have my own way you know yeah we're all different but on another level we're all the same so we all have the same needs we all have the same uh you know uh, yeah we all have the same needs for survival and all of that but our reaction to these threats and these things that happen is based on our experience and based on what has happened in our past and some people you know, I was actually quite surprised at the panic in one of my neighbors. The panic was a real fear, like like his eyes were wild. He was really, really afraid. And so myself, I'm sitting here going, no, this shall pass. It's fine. Everything's good. <laughs> so how do you explain that different reaction to the same thing? Well, it's, it's our personal experience and our, our relationship to trauma or relationship to um to danger to threat what is a threat what isn't a threat um in terms of that the physical fear that we're talking about which in a big way is you know it's physical it's coming at us in a physical way um personally my relationship to nature my connection to nature somehow did not make me fear the event like i felt deep in my core that 
things would work itself out. Stuff was going to burn, but it wouldn't be my house. And so, so our relationship to uh, to threats and to danger is based on our past experiences, and, and that's what I usually delve into when trying to help someone understand their reaction to something. Is that you know what may have happened in one's past that would trigger that kind of reaction, the fear reaction, right? So that's that's one place that we can go when we're trying to figure out why we react a certain way and why we you know have this relationship to uh, to danger you know how how deep does it go it depends on on our experience and that's what i delve into with people and part of it could be well it's it's also separating what is instinctual versus what is our what is our subconscious behavior and when we have that instinctual flight or fight response is that something that we can, well, it sounds like you, well, you have a lot of practice with, with mindfulness and calm and yoga and breath and breath and self, you know, uh, the self-awareness aspect. So it's interesting to say, you know, you hear about the flight or fight response. Is that actually coming from our subconscious patterns and our embedded emotions, the, the trauma responses, those unresolved energies that we have within ourselves? Or is it actually part of our human physiology in some kind of way? Because mm -hmm. it sounds like, you know, if you really arrive in that place of calm and self-awareness, um, sorry, there's a massive dragonfly flying right around me. I thought it was going to jump right in the camera. Um, I get distracted by animals. I'm outside. So, um, or insects and all sorts of things. But it's, it is, it's like when you become so in tune with yourself and your energy and your thoughts and your feelings, then you can actually even override that whole un unconscious behavior aspect of ourselves. If it is a biological imprint that we have within ourselves, or if it's psychological or emotional or subconscious, wherever it comes from, mm -hmm. that I feel is the achievement when you get to that place of that greater level of self-awareness and working with your own self rather than mm -hmm. allowing yourself to get carried away with these responses, these, these unconscious responses, which a lot of us do have. I mean, I, I was quite surprised at how I was feeling because I usually don't feel fear so much. I mean, in, in ways like personally, but that one really did come up quite strong for me. Mm -hmm. um, and it took a lot of time to just find my center and just be calm and and then I went through all these different layers of okay well what what if worst case scenario happened well we would be okay we would be able to rebuild there's always a solution there's always a way out so what am I really afraid of you know it's it's, it's this attachment it's this fear well and you and I spoke earlier before this recording the fear of the unknown the mm -hmm. fear which you can talk about um, the fear of losing attachments are attachments that we have to things emotionally, energetically, mentally, habitually, you know, these things that get become activated. And if we just sit for a moment and just become still rather than succumbing to these patterns that we have that almost come in as a response mechanism that are very unconscious, like we're not, we're allowing yeah. our, our triggers to to influence our behaviors completely we're not in our center when these these things happen yeah right? well you know i there's one thing that mm, we lose track of when we get in those situations where we're concerned about our our possessions and our things and and inconvenience and change and rebuilding and all these things we we often forget that the universe has our back and and we're cosmic beings with um, much larger purposes than the little things that we preoccupy ourselves with. And so when we remind ourselves, and we can go back to that place of remembering that we are cosmic beings and that, and that the universe has our back and, and that we will be okay, we're going to be fine. And when you can operate from that place, um, it's very helpful because you don't, get drawn down the the small fear paths of of losing your things or having to start over and all of that sort of stuff you just you just have this 
broader perspective of what we're here to do and what we're here doing. And um, you don't succumb so much to the fear. One of the things that I that I often use in 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 this kind of dealing with fear situation and finding your way back to center, not losing track of yourself, is is breathing deep and doing deep breathing exercises. The unfortunate thing about this last threat is that there was so much smoke in the air, we, <laughs> we right. couldn't breathe. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so that was a that was an interesting. Um, aspect to this last little you know attack from nature here with these fires was that my go-to is deep breathing and there was no deep breathing possible it was so thick right we Mm -hmm. we had trouble breathing yeah and so there are other techniques in 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 deep breathing breathing exercises that are so just a little touch on breathing exercises in terms of finding that center and feeling that the universe has your back is that there are exercises that are meant to boost us and boost our mental abilities and, and boost our awareness and all that sort of thing. But there are breathing exercises that are designed to lower anxiety and slow us down. And so one of the breathing techniques that's used for lowering anxiety is a, a, a shallow breathing not necessarily that shallow, but it's very, very slow. And it's a very, very slow, stretched out exhale. And what you're doing when you're doing that is you're actually exhaling dissolved fear, dissolved emotions. And when you are in that place, that's where you can get yourself to, to center a little better. And so during the smoke, I was utilizing these breathing techniques of anti-anxiety, which brings it down, which actually does not require deep breathing in that sense that you're not filling your lungs from the diaphragm up and getting in all this air. Because why? We couldn't. There was too much smoke. So I went to um, these sessions where I would just do these elongated, extremely long, slow exhales that lowers your heart rate and it, it brings you to a place of, of calm which reconnects you to yourself. Because when you connect to, reconnect to yourself, you have a chance to feel that feeling that the universe has your back, which means there is no real ultimate danger to your life, to your survival, right? Because it's all about survival. That, that, that fight or flight concept is survival driven. It's, it's all it's all about. And so, in that particular case, that's that's what I was doing is uh, to find that center. I do those uh, extended exhales just to bring myself down to this place of comfort of I'm supposed to be here and this is all good. There won't mm-hmm. be anything bad happen. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's one of the, you know, reminding oneself, never forgetting what we really are. You know, not losing track of self, not losing track of this fact that we are um, these these cosmic beings, and and become the observer. Uh, when we step into being the observer of our life, as opposed to being really entrenched in it and and being pushed around by the emotions and the the situations and circumstances that are happening, and really you know getting pushed around by those things. Uh, when we get to that place where we're able to to find our center and and um, again, it's by becoming the observer because now, as the observer, you you actually step out and really, our higher self is the observer. I mean, in yoga, we actually use that term, right? The term being the observer. Um, it removes yourself from emotional response to the actual thing that's happening. And you, you, it's a little bit like very often, you know, when you're having your experience, you're having something happen, your vision is sort of clouded and you can't see the situation. You can't see the solution. You can't see how to get out and all that. But you look at someone else having a panic attack. You look at someone else having a conflict. You look at someone else having an argument and you can observe it and, and, oh, if, if they did this or did it that, they would all be fixed and so we have this this ability to observe someone else's situation in with a certain amount of clarity 
but we don't when we're reserving, when we're observing ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the keys to being able to is to step into being that observer of your own situation by stepping out a little bit. And, um, you know, meditation and, and deep breathing is a prep to the meditation. Meditation is, you know, has, there's so many layers there. Of course, that's a, a, a show in its own. Uh, and then within meditation, there are periods of contemplation. And in those periods of contemplation, that's where we can work with being the observer. So that's one of the techniques that, that, uh, that uh, we use to, to sort of separate ourselves from um, the emotion and the reactions of the moment in whatever it is that's going on. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I do talk often about the getting in touch with the emotions, not, not in a superficial way, getting in touch with your emotions. It's really feeling the emotions and not, again, there's this resistance to kind of the, the integration aspect of the emotions and of self of through the difficult feelings that we have, the stress, the anxiety, the fear, the sadness, the anger. And when it comes up, it's okay to feel them, you know, it's okay to feel them as long as we are observing them and seeing, okay, where, where's this actually coming from and sensing it, as you mentioned, as the observer, but it's almost like, like there are many different layers of being an observer. As far as I I've experienced, there's like the senses of it, you know, like what is that sense that is coming in? How does it feel from an internal emotional standpoint? How can I observe my actions from an external standpoint? You know, there are all these different ways to observe yourself. And the more in tune that you become with yourself, the more whole you become, the more you, you, you like move into this sort of aspect of your being where you're just translating all these experiences that you have within yourself and within your outer world. So you become more in tune from so many different senses. You awaken more of your senses that way, I feel. Yeah. It's interesting, mm-hmm. especially on the, on the emotional side. I, I tend to, yeah. I, I just feel maybe it's my, the way I've, I've worked through things and mm-hmm. understood, like understood that aspect of the observer. And it's like, for me, it's observing, but it's also like feeling, mm-hmm. <laughs> getting the feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, uh, the challenge with um, our relationship to emotions and our relationship to feelings is that um it's very difficult to separate it from paradigm and from definitions so we have our life experience gives us a whole bunch of uh it gives us a framework it gives us a viewpoint gives us a paradigm and it gives us the definitions that we assign to what it is that's going on and that's where um it becomes very difficult to navigate this, these waters of of feeling because feeling is of course you know the real connection to what's going on uh, our minds the rational mind takes us down all kinds of different paths uh, in fact a lot of the fears that we deal with uh, are figments of our imagination mm-hmm. they're, they're absolutely figments of our imagination so in in, in the same way that we can um, not that we can imagine a bunch of fear. We can imagine a bunch of um, things going wrong and things just not going the way that we expect. This is this fear of the unknown that we're talking about. Is that it's it's related to our definitions. It's related to our experience and our paradigms. So what happens when we start to step into the world of feeling, we still have to grapple with these definitions we still have to grapple with how exactly um, what is you know truly uh, a heartfelt emotion and what is an emotion that we're having that is actually a reaction that is actually anchored in a belief system that's anchored in a whole bunch of rational mind stuff you know so that's why and this is something that i deal with all the time is is the time that it takes to tune into what we're talking about um, 
we're in a society that wants to take a pill for everything. So they want instant reactions. It's like, yeah. well, I, and I want to do this. And I, you know, with breathing techniques, I deal with this all the time. People go, I can breathe. Everyone can breathe. So if I give me a breathing, I'll just do it. You know, no, they my path in breathing has been decades. And after, you know, four decades of doing this breathing and teaching it, Last winter, I did a, a major retreat uh, in, in a yoga center in Thailand. And I can't believe the new doorways I opened with new breathing techniques. Hmm. That's after 40 years of doing it. <laughs> it's like, we're always learning. <laughs> and so, but people want, when, when we're doing stuff, they go, well, just tell me how to do it and I'll just do it mm -hmm. and it'll be done, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll tune into my, you know, my calm center and uh, I'll be fine. Uh, no, it takes practice and it takes time. And one of the things that, that a lot of people have trouble understanding, I think, is that, um, especially when I call them breathing exercises, the word exercise, the word exercise is an effort. It's, it means you have to do something, right? And, um, you know, people just want it to be easy and they, they just want quick solutions. And so... Tuning into everything that we're talking about, tuning into your inner self, to your inner voice, to your inner messaging, to your connection to source, all of these things and how that's going to affect what you're feeling. And that is a, it's a, a big project. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the greatest frustrations for me in the, in recent years is, has been, you know, the observation that w people are just not willing to spend the time and really do the work necessary. Um, breathing techniques and, and all of that sounds very nice and it sounds easy, but wow, the, the depth is incredible. And that goes to everything. That goes to uh, meditation techniques. It goes to exercise. Um, a lot of people not understanding that even uh, exercise or asanas, yoga positions, stretching, what's the function of it, you know? And, and you know, how do, we, how do we get to a place where we're actually feeling the effects of it? It's not in one session. And so it's a long path. It is. I just had, I just had something come in, actually, in <laughs> from here, <laughs> somewhere. Did you, did you channel? Just, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, it's, it's like, like looking at society as a whole, like you said, when we, and, and I've been like that, I've been like that where I, you know, I've, I've, I've been also very determined and I I've worked hard. And if I like something, I'll put the effort in. Um, if I want change, I'll put the effort in, um, in, and, you know, I've had moments in my life where I wasn't like that. Uh, but in other ways I still would work hard, but this is the thing I find that society can easily fall under. I feel it's fear. I feel that big umbrella of what we get caught in is fear. It's, it's this perpetual state that we're in to survive. I need to make money. I have to get ahead. I just tell me what to do and fix me quick because I need to do this. I need to get there. I need to, you know, it's, and I feel that a lot of it comes from fear, the way that we push ourselves, the way that we act, react. And there's also a fear of being still. And there's a fear of sitting with ourselves and feeling those emotions. Because also, mm -hmm. too, if we've been used to avoiding them, if we've been used to numbing, avoiding, suppressing things that don't make us feel comfortable, the shadow, mm -hmm. then, well, then sitting there and, and learning about ourselves in this new way can be very fearful. And yeah. it's it it really takes this new approach because coming from the other side where I've lived, where I've, I've been in that perpetual wheel, I've, I've worked hard. I've been in this constant state of achieving and trying and, you know, quick diets and quick programs and fad things and fad this, this is way more because when you start chipping away at yourself, everything else falls into place. You know, the body, your, your life, your relationships, your energy, your success, like it all comes from that alignment within. So, mm. but it does take you, there's, there is fear that you have to go through to get there on its yeah. own. Yeah. 
So the, you know, two ideas that came to mind the first part of what you were saying made me think of um, a famous line that, you know, is assigned to Roosevelt, which is, we have nothing to fear, but fear itself. Yeah. Yeah. And, exactly. um, and so when we're, we're, we're working with that sort of thing, especially when it's self, you know, because yourself, in, in a sense, it's your health and your survival and all of that. So we, we fear um, not surviving. We, we, we fear the threats, right? So, mm-hmm. but, but in order to get through it, um, we have nothing to fear, but fear itself is, is, the, is one of the hurdles, one of the gateways that we have to get through. So mm-hmm. now we, we go to the second part of what you were saying, right? Which is what the, the application itself and, 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 and doing, doing that work. I mean, people are so afraid of silence. It was one thing mm-hmm. you talked about there, right? And, yeah. and one of the things that I've noticed with some people, uh, just through the decades of working in different environments, is some people cannot be without the radio on in the background. Mm-hmm with the TV on in the yep. background. And then they get out and they get in the car and they got the radio on and they get home and they go in and they go in the house and TV is on. And so mm-hmm. there's never any silence. And the reason there's never any silence is because they fear silence itself. Mm-hmm. Because why? Well, these little niggly thoughts come up and the thoughts that are coming up from the well, the well of our subconscious, I call it. And the well of our subconscious is dishing up a lot from our shadow, right? It's the shadow source. And so, People are very uncomfortable with with shadow issues, shadow topics, shadow factors, and silence unfortunately makes it up front and center for people. Yeah, and a lot of people, the way they fight it is they just stay busy and mm-hmm. and, and have something on in the background that does not permit that silence to happen. Because when that silence happens, all of a sudden, it's your inner voice that fills the void. And that inner voice, if it's full of um, anxiety and full of worries, and 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 again, this 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 imagination that we have, we have such a powerful imagination. And what you know is really important to do is to to channel that imagination into imagining the future that we want, yes. as opposed to imagining all the things that can go wrong. Exactly. So many people spend so much time imagining what can go wrong. They are stuck, you know, or they're stalled. Because why? Well, because they're too busy assigning all their imagination energy to things that will never happen. (laughs) You know, Um, Mark Twain had a great saying where he said that uh, he uh, he's had a long and turbulent life and has had many traumas that may not have happened. Hmm. And, and what he was talking about was that most of the trauma and the worries that people are talking about actually never happened. It was all in their head anyways. Hmm. So taking the energy and the power of imagination towards creating what it is that we want is a huge factor in yeah. what it is that we're trying to achieve. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's really the driving force of my work too. It's if we want change, if we want something better, we think in our habitual mind, we think that what we've been doing is the way, but we haven't taken a break to stop that and go, maybe this isn't working, but I've been used to this, but what else, what's the other option? You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. introducing that other option as stop, mm-hmm. take a break reflect, go within, try this other way. And this is where you get to create. It's, it's, it's really changing this whole, it's like I felt for years that I was in this, because I've been going through this process myself, going from that, being in that hamster wheel, totally miserable and unhappy, but caught in that state. And then I've, I've been feeling like it's been like those, you know, those big massive barge ships, those big ships, like containers and huge stuff. massive like imagine turning one of those around <laughs> i feel like i've been i don't know why i kept visualizing it just this like like this huge massive u-turn so it takes a lot of effort but it is turning yourself from 
living in the patterns and living unconsciously to living consciously and becoming the creator and creating positive change rather than getting stuck in that, the mind, subconscious, the shadow. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is the, the way to manifest and the way to create. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so when we look for, you know, what are the ways to do this? You know, we, we, we try to identify and there's so many modalities. There's so many ways and techniques. There's so many paths to the same destination. You know, I remember one, one metaphor was uh, when a plane, uh, you know, leaves, you know, Toronto and is flying to Vancouver. Um, the destination is Vancouver and that's known. But the actual exact path there, it depends on what the winds are doing. It depends on, you know, you know, what's going on. So the path there is not necessarily going to be the same. And you have two planes fly the same trip in in two separate moments. They will not go through the same path, but they will end up at the same destination. So, you know, finding what that modality is that a person really needs to, to, to turn that ship around, you know, because it is, it's a big, it's a big move, right? Your, mm-hmm. Our lives are these huge, um, you know, I mean, we're, we are a vessel, right? We actually refer to the body as a vessel. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's got momentum and it's going in a certain direction. And to change that direction, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's a beautiful uh, vision or beautiful visual <laughs> that you give to it because it is. And changing the yeah. direction of that vessel is is huge. And so the two things that I... I, I, you know, work with is um, trying to differentiate between the laws of nature and things that we can't change. I call those, you know, God-made. Those mm-hmm. are God-made rules. Yeah. And then when we're dealing with paradigms and belief systems and all these things, that's man-made. So the difference between man-made rules and regulations and viewpoints and paradigms and and God made is that we have to find our way back to these laws of nature, the laws of nature within us. So the laws of nature of whatever makes, you know, um, dragonflies do what they do (laughs) is one thing that's, you know, but the things that make us function as humans and decide what's important, what's our priorities, what are we doing and all of that, that is man-made. And we have to really get comfortable with this idea that when we're dealing with man-made stuff, when we're dealing with stuff that we have created as a species, as humans, we have to understand if we created it, we can change it. If we create it, we can reprogram it. You know, you can't reprogram God-made stuff. That's, those are laws of nature. But when it's man-made, we, we actually have the ability to reprogram it, to change it. And, uh, but it's still a big effort. It's still a big vessel. It's still not that easy, right? So even when I look at the financial system, which is one of the big fear factors of the day, right? The, everyone's living in this fear of losing their money and there's yeah. not going to be enough money. Blah, 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 blah. So that's the fear factor they're using. Well, who created the financial system? You know, we did. <laughs> so if we created it, why can't we fix it? Why can't we change it? Why don't we reprogram it? Why can't we, you know, change the way that it actually works well the answer is we can mm-hmm. and in fact we will i don't know how painful it'll be getting there but probably be uh, have a few <laughs> a few steps back to get a leap forward but that's okay i i agree with you i agree with you mm-hmm. that's the other mm-hmm. fear topic we can talk about in another day <laughs> well the that fear one. of suffering right fear of suffering yeah. is is fundamental um, i think that even when we talk about the fear of death, for instance, I think most people don't actually fear death because the moment we're born, it's sort of a given. That we're, it is a given that we're going to die. It's the fear of how we're going to die. It's a mm-hmm. fear of suffering that we fear. It's not the end. It's the process. It's the path. How is it going to happen? That's what we fear. So we fear suffering. So change, big change, usually brings on discomfort, brings on change, <laughs> change itself. And so is change going to be painful? Is change going to be a form of suffering? Or is it a process? Is it just a journey 
that we take, right? It's all perspective. Mm -hmm. All perspective. So let's, uh, we're going to go into a bit of a breath exercise with you here. So what do you think? What do you want to do to guide people through a quick breath exercise to reduce fear, reduce anxiety? Mm -hmm. What do you think? Well, um, now I think that there's, there's one little, uh, technique that I, um, that comes from, uh, a, a breathing exercise in yoga that's called the, the Ekadasi. And it's a, a very wonderful breathing technique that uses a retention. So I'll, I'll, I'll take us through that. It's, uh, it's, uh, I'm just going to take us through the, 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 the sort of format of it because it takes much longer to do the actual full exercise, but I'll, I'll teach the format itself, which is, uh, which is, um, in itself, the foundation to bigger techniques as we go. So, so you ready to go? I'm ready. So one of the, um, one of the things to establish in, in breathing techniques and deeper breathing techniques is to make sure that we're filling the belly. We're filling the lower lobes of our lungs, which is the, the diaphragm area, which is above our organs there. And so breathing really deep. So a deep inhale. And one way of visualizing this is to separate the breath into three parts. And so it's a count of two to fill the belly, a count of two to fill the center chest area, and a count of two to fill up to the top. So I'll just count it through, right? So just exhale completely and now start inhaling. One, two, three, four, five, six. Now, Now, commonly what people say is, I'm full at four, I'm full at three. Well, then you adjust your breathing so that you can fit the belly into two, the chest into two, and the top part into two. Because there are three lobes to the lungs, the lower, center, and upper. So we can try that again for those who would go to, I'm full at three, slow it down and fit it into one, two, three, four, five, six, right? So. One, two, three, four, five, six. So once we get that rhythm down of being able to do, and the little, (laughs) that's a good technique for counting, by the way. So you can, you can subdivide your breaths into these little bursts until you're full. That's a good way of getting it. And how many, sorry, how many repetition, how many repetitions would you do? This, this is the kernel. So once you get to that, point where you get the one, two, three, four, five, six, nice, smooth, all the way to full. Then what we do is we do three breaths. So you do one fill, exhale, second fill, exhale, third fill. And on the third fill, you hold, you hold your breath and we're going to hold breath for 10 seconds. Okay. And at the end of the 10 seconds, you you, you let the breath go, but you know, not like a total, like pop the balloon sort of thing. You sort of try to let it come out in a semi-regulated way. Okay. So we're going to do the full three this time. Okay. Okay. So we're going to start now. Thank you. 
Okay. Now hold and lock. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now a couple of natural breaths, whatever your body wants to do. And one more question. Do you recommend breathing out the nose rather than the mouth for the whole cycle? So breathing in through the nose and out through the nose is critical. Okay. It needs to happen through the nose. Anybody who's teaching techniques out the mouth is um, basically um, bypassing one of the most important functions of our body. What happens is in the nasal passages up here, we have the olfactory bulb. We have all kinds of sensors in the paranasal. It's all full of sensors. You have to also visualize that this is attached to the bottom of your brain. Okay, It's not in your foot. It's not somewhere else in your body. It's attached to the bottom of your brain. And what happens in the inhale is the sensors are analyzing everything coming in. So they analyze danger, for instance, smoke, fire smoke. You go, well, right away, your sensors go, don't do that. There's something wrong here. You know, there's danger. So don't do that. What happens is on the exhale, the sensors are all in full function. And they're analyzing your exhale. In the exhale, there's up to, there there are thousands of actual elements that are coming out in an exhale. And those sensors are analyzing your exhaust. And that communicates to your endocrine system. The endocrine system is your network of glands. And it makes the adjustments necessary to keep you functioning properly. So the exhale is extremely important in the breathing techniques. The only time that you exhale through the mouth is in the very initial stages for just releasing, you know, that's just like a, you would do that like three, four, five, six times if you want in preparation for the breathing technique. Mm. So that's when you exhale through the mouth, um, just generally, but all the breathing techniques, you should exhale through the nose. It's very important. Your system gets important information from that exhale. So getting back to this breathing technique, though, you see we did the three there, right? In, out, in, out, in, out, hold. Then you do a cycle of five. You do five inhales and exhales, and you hold the fifth. And then you do seven. So... The three, five, seven comes from a breathing technique called the Ekadasi. It's a very deep system, um, amazing for releasing emotions. It's actually an emotion releaser. What it does is it actually works our core and it works on this uh, exhaling dissolved emotions and dissolved stuff. Now, the breathing technique that I use on a regular basis is the three, six, nine. Now, three, six, nine are extremely um, incredible numbers, I know right? All about, yeah, I know. About In them. sacred <laughs> geometry and, yeah. and, you know, Tesla. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, they're, they're magic numbers. Mm-hmm. And so the 369 is one of the breathing techniques that I use uh, the most in terms of really getting a day started, for instance, or even recentering in the middle of the day. So what you do is you do three inhales, hold third. You do six inhales, hold the sixth. And you do nine inhales and hold the ninth. And that is a cycle, right? So you would do the three, six, nine as a group. And that's your breathing exercise. Now, it, once you get good at it and you really start to see the benefits and you start to, oh my, this is really having an effect on me. Then you do a second one. But you do the full three, six, nine. And... Um, you know, so you do two cycles. And then if you're really into it, you do three cycles. If you do three cycles of a three, six, nine afterwards, wow, do some observing there. You know, it's a really, it's like we feel it everywhere. Some people feel it in their hands, you know, 
Some people will feel it, you know, in their head. I've had people actually get rid of a headache through just doing that. <clears throat> and um, yeah, there's something very powerful in the retention. Oh, by the way, the retention, I did 10 seconds there. My favorite number is, is 15 to 20. Mm. So sometimes I'll go all the way to, to 20 seconds. And 20 seconds, the way to really get around that, get away from rational mind is 20 heartbeats or 10 heartbeats. So you use 10 of your own heartbeats as you're measuring. When you get into the technique a lot, you in your retention, you will feel your pulse. So you just count your pulse. Mm -hmm. Count Wonderful. to 10, let go. So that's the 369. Is, uh... Wonderful. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, well, on that note, if there's anything else that you would like to add, uh, Marcus, here before we sign off, um, I will be leaving your contact info, the link to your book. Uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of you in the description box below of this video, it's going to be video and podcast. So make mm -hmm. sure if you want more information, uh, if you want to work with Marcus, even speak with him, I'll leave all that information below and also to your book. And is there mm -hmm. anything else that you would like to leave, leave us with any pearls of wisdom before we log mm -hmm. off? <laughs> well, I, I want to say that uh, it was a, it was great uh, talking with you. So feels really nice. We, uh, I think we covered some really good ground. Um, you know, I think that just never losing track that um, the fear, the fear factor that we're faced with is, is defined by our experience and defined by definitions that come from the rational mind. And it's really important to reevaluate that rational mind approach, reevaluate the definitions before really giving into that fear and having it have adverse effects on yourself, on your health, and on your situation. But, um, you know, we're really stuck in, in rational mind thinking, and, and that's one of the things we have to go back to. And my next book is called I Feel, Therefore I Am. Mm -hmm. So there will be and it's such a large topic. We like to think we know what we're talking about. We just say it and is it, there it is. There's the idea. But there are so many aspects and so many levels to this. Mm -hmm. So reevaluate re your definition of what you perceive as a fear is the one thing that uh, I would encourage people to do. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Marcus. Thank you for that. That was that was wonderful. Again, contact information below for everyone. Thank you, Marcus, so much for being here. And I look hey, forward Tara. to a conversation in the future sometime. Thank you, Tara. Thank you. Thank you for joining another episode of Beyond the Veil. Make sure to find me over on TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. And keep an eye open for more episodes as we dive into the depths beyond the veil.